Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andrea Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here. It is Thursday, April the 16th. Got a good show lined up here today. I'm going to be chatting with the uh, TNRD's emergency program coordinator to talk about how the region is getting prepared for flood season. Of course, that is, uh, well, I wouldn't even say it's right around the corner because we're uh, we're about to really get into full swing when it comes to flood season. And yesterday, I actually caught up with a Trans Mountain spokesperson after we found out that work here in the urban Kamloops area has been delayed by two months due to COVID-19. So I'll be replaying that chat here a little bit later in the hour. But to begin today's show, it is time to look back at yesterday city council meeting the major topic of discussion yesterday was flooding issues and what may arise here as we move deeper in to spring joining me on the phone now is Kamloops mayor Ken Christian Mr. Mayor how are you doing here on this Thursday very good thank you Jeff good glad to hear now uh, of course as the spring snow starts to melt or the spring melt is upon us sorry Kamloops city staff say they are in, in constant talks with operators of of irrigation dams that you know flow into local creeks uh, it was touched on this briefly last week Ken when, when you and I were talking um, after council last week but just how are you feeling right now and the community's perspective to be able to, to react to floods if there are any concerns that uh, may arise here in the next little while yeah, so uh, Greg uh, Whiteman presented council yesterday with a very detailed uh, impression of uh, the risk of uh, flooding uh, this uh, freshet, and uh, I think that risk is, is very real. Uh, you know, we get our intelligence from the water management branch and, and people who are measuring the snow pillows, and uh, we also are uh, in con- uh, constant contact with those people who operate dams within the region, and, uh, you know, it appears that the particularly mid and high elevation snowpack is uh, stable and growing and uh, as we get uh, this late into the uh, spring uh, the river hasn't really started to react either river uh, to uh, low elevation snow melt yet so uh, we need the rivers to come up uh, now rather than later and uh, we uh, need that uh, flow to be managed through the city Uh, one of the things that Mr. Whiteman spoke about is our preparation and uh, you know we do this every year and to uh, a greater or less extent based upon the threat and uh, this year uh, there will be a lot of preparation that we'll have to start uh, you know as soon as uh, we hit the first of may so that we're ready for a peak around the end of may now one of the projects that was on sort of the list of priorities for the city this year was this uh, flood mitigation work along the riverbank at riverside park i know there was a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar grant application that was in um we were hearing that the the city was not um you know a recipient of that here i know like i said it was a priority and there is some concern if there is you know that once in a 20 year uh snowpack that could be melting soon here that we we might be looking a ahead to um i guess just what are the plans with that project because i assume it is still something that the city wants to get done sooner than later yeah, you know, part of that uh, enhancement uh, for Riverside Park was uh, in and around the uh, protection of our uh, utility corridor that goes through there, and uh, and uh, certainly the park asset itself. There were some other elements to that of, uh, you know, a, a wintertime uh, outdoor skating rink and that kind of thing, but uh, that has been uh, bypassed by the government, uh, and so we will continue to do uh, seasonal uh, protective activities in the park. Uh, we have 
uh, pretty accurate uh, survey uh, data now of the city, so we know uh, based on the projected uh, geodetic height of the flood uh, what properties in the city would be inundated by floodwater. So uh, we know that Riverside Park is is one of our most vulnerable areas, as is an area in and around Schubert Drive and the Henry Group Center. So, you know, we uh, need to protect those areas, and uh, that will be a bit more difficult now uh, as we try to do that within the uh, restrictions of the COVID-19 situation and the physical distancing requirements for uh, workers that are going to be deployed to uh, do that kind of protective work. So can you just describe to me, because this is my first spring here, so uh, what, what does that seasonal protection look like? Can you explain that to me at all? Well, in, in the past, we've done uh, you know, typically uh, sandbagging uh, to protect some of that. Uh, we have uh, laid out uh, coffer dams, uh, those are those bladders that you use. Uh, you see them often used in the prairies uh, for protection there. Uh, and uh, now we're going to use uh, gabion baskets to protect that infrastructure. Uh, things like the uh, pier out at Riverside Park, we take all of the uh, you know uh, railings and that off of that, and we use the walkway as the base for a dike and we will start uh, pretty much at the uh, back end of the Sandman Center and work our way all the way down uh, to the Overlanders Bridge and that way we protect both the park and the lift stations and the uh, elements that uh, are critical to our infrastructure that are located within the park. Yeah, that sounds like um, quite quite the quite the amount of work, and, and like you said, it's going to be pretty challenging to do while there these physical distancing or social distancing rules are in place. But uh, of course, it's going to get done either way. Um, so I guess just what is your level of concern right now heading into this this you know as we get into real spring weather? You know, we're seeing temperatures start to get into the 20s and and slightly above. So uh, you know, is is there a level of concern in the immediate, or are you pretty confident with sort of where things are sitting? Uh, I mean, right now in this moment, because obviously when we're talking about flood protection or flood uh, concern. I mean, it really is a a, a day-to-day kind of situation. Yeah, and, and it's very much weather dependent, Jeff. And, and uh, you know, there, there's a, a few nuances about Kamloops. The uh, timing between the peak of the North Thompson River and the South Thompson River uh, often can uh, add uh, or subtract from the risk in the city. Uh, but uh, that uh, remains to be seen when those will occur. One of the concerns that we would have is the long range forecast. And if that forecast indicated that we were going to be uh, very cool for the end of uh, April and some precipitation in May uh, so that you're dealing with not only snow but wet snow that is more uh, water-laden and that then becomes a a more difficult uh, situation to deal with, particularly if you start to hit in May uh, a series of uh, 30-degree days where we can see that. And the other element of that is how uh, low the temperature at night goes. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Colder nights allow it to kind of uh, crisp up again and end that, but if it's really warm nights, you start to see some real rapid shedding of that snow volume. Yeah, as a, as my someone myself who really likes that 30 degree weather, it is a little bit bittersweet, I guess, because it does come with some potential consequences as well. Um, I kind of wanted to just preview next week's uh, city council meeting here as well. You guys are going to be meeting on Tuesday. Uh, you know, t- going to be talking a little bit about budgetary concerns that have come up as a result of COVID-19. So I was just wondering or hoping that you could provide maybe a little sneak peek of what sort of conversations you're expecting here on Tuesday and and what si- kinds of decisions the city is looking to make. You know, 
know, as we really adjust on a, on a minute-by-minute basis as this whole pandemic plays out? Yeah, and in fact, today we're hoping for some uh, clarity from the government with respect to uh, some elements of our budget and our cash flow situation for local governments in B.C. But, uh, you know, next week we're going to do two things. One will be uh, re-forecast our uh, 2021 budget for the city of Camels. What we had worked uh, almost 10 months on has had to be redone in about two weeks with a lot of unknown variables. So that's a difficult thing. And then the other thing we're going to look at next week is the uh, capital budget. So a lot of those projects, uh, whether we can defer them, uh, whether or not we want to uh, take advantage of uh, this opportunity to get them done, that kind of thing. So uh, that will be the focus of the meeting on the 21st. And on the 28th, uh, we will wrestle with issues related to uh, tax penalty dates and uh, utility deferral and that kind of thing. Okay, so uh, the 28th will be a big one for taxpayers specifically in terms of what uh, their their impacts are going to look like here over the coming months, um, you know, as they go to pay their property tax bills. So we'll put that in our calendar and we'll look forward to that and, and see sort of, uh, you know, what, ca- what decisions council will make or, or even can make, I guess, at that point in time. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I have for you right now, Ken. I guess just while I have you on the line, just what are your thoughts on how uh, the community is handling uh, COVID-19? I'm going to ask you this probably on a weekly basis because, of course, the longer this thing drags out, the higher tensions seem to get, the more impatient people um, you know, are, are with having to spend as much time inside and at home as they are. Uh, so just uh, you know, how, how, are you, how are you feeling about the way the Kamloopsians are, are dealing with this situation? Well, we mentioned that yesterday. Uh, myself and council are particularly proud of the way that the citizens are uh, reacting to the orders of the provincial health officer. And uh, uh, by and large, there is just uh, amazing compliance and, and uh, people are courteous and uh, uh, people are cognizant of uh, physical distancing and that kind of thing. And, you know, when we do have exceedances, they're not many uh, on the weekend. I think our bylaw services dealt with, uh, I think, uh, total of 18 situations over the Easter long weekend, which is really uh, minuscule compared to the 100,000 people that are complying with unusual orders and unusual circumstances. So uh, that uh, is, uh, I think, the good news. The bad news, of course, is the longer that this goes on, uh, the deeper the uh, damage is to our local economy. And uh, as we all know, that the uh, you know social determinants of health would indicate that there are some health hazards associated with things like lack of employment, lack of income, lack of education, those kinds of things. So there's a, a tipping point here, and uh, you know we uh, want this thing to be over from an infectious disease perspective, but we also need to know from a population health perspective that uh, uh, you know we need to get going again as a city and we need to rebuild. Right on. Well, I think that's probably a good time to wrap things up here, Mr. Mayor. So thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. And uh, I do, again, look forward to our conversation, hopefully, that we can have uh, on Wednesday following Tuesday's meeting. So thanks so much for this. Thank you very much. That was Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian. And uh, earlier today, it was also announced that the province is providing enhanced relief for businesses by reducing most commercial property tax bills by an average of 25%, along with new measures to support local governments facing those temporary revenue shortfalls as a result of COVID-19. So hopefully that will be a benefit to a number of business owners as they, of course, are the uh, backbone of our economy. Well, let's take a quick break here, and I'll be continuing along with the theme of, of flood preparedness. I'll be joined by the TNRD's Emergency Program 
coordinator after this. So please stick around and I'll be back with more Jeff Andrea show in just a little bit. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on Thursday, April the 16th. As we get deeper into spring, concerns around flooding become more and more paramount. And joining me on the phone now to talk about what is happening within the Thompson-Nicola Regional District is the TNRD's Emergency Program Coordinator, Kevin Skrepnik. Kevin, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. Now, I just wanted to start by getting a, a bit of an update on what happened last week. You said you got a briefing from the province late last week. So I just wanted to kind of start by what that conversation was all about. Yeah, so at this time of year, the uh, the River Forecast Centre uh, through, the, through the provincial government uh, does provide us uh, a monthly kind of guidance on uh, where the snowpacks are at. Uh, and then once we get into May, that actually starts coming out every two weeks just because the, the risk kind of grows at that point. And, and I mean, I think, you know, listeners have probably been well aware that, uh, you know, it is definitely a, a high year in terms of snowpack. The province right now, uh, across the board, about 112% of what we would normally be yet and there is definitely some local concerns there uh, you know for the North Thompson the South Thompson uh, rivers um, so from the TNRD perspective uh, you know we we anticipate and we experience flooding every year but we do need to use that provincial guidance as best as possible uh, in terms of kind of informing where we need to prepare um, where we need to start looking at uh, you know getting some analysis done of what the water level could look like and uh, what measures we need to have in place to respond. Okay, so uh, I guess with all that being said, you mean you kind of talked about how it is sort of a potential year where we could see, um, you know, some, some pretty rapid melts given the snowpack levels that exist right now. So uh, just what what is the TNRD doing to prepare in the event of some sort of emergency when it comes to snowpack maybe melting at a pretty rapid rate? I think right now things like look like they're looking pretty good temperature-wise. You know, we're, I think last night was a low of zero, so still mm-hmm. getting that nice, uh, you know, maybe warmer days but cooler nights, but uh, w- where are we moving forward i mean is there is there a concern or, or in the immediate for you right now i mean in the in the next week or so we don't have anything immediate but certainly you know uh, the further into the spring we get uh, the threat is going to grow and you know based on the guidance we're getting from the province um, the fact that we're seeing a fairly dry forecast right now um, is good you know, and I think that you know, probably goes without saying, you know, some steady warm weather uh, is, is ideal. If we have a delayed uh, melt, you know, further into May and then all of a sudden a rapid shift to, you know, persistent hot weather, you know, we've seen that in years like 2017, 2018. That's when we can have a whole lot of water coming down at once in terms of the, the freshette, you know, that snow melt period. So, um, you know, things are looking good. Of course, the flip side of that is that, you know, that persistent dry weather uh, has an effect on the wildfire fire situation and that that's a whole other that's a whole other issue there but um definitely in terms of areas of concern you know we have places that have flooded in previous years uh you know stump lake uh, cherry creek just outside of town here Gishon creek just outside of Merritt. so um, those are some of our usual suspects and uh, you know if we're into a scenario similar to previous years similar to 2017 2018 uh, we already have had engineers out looking at some of those areas uh, providing recommendations around what we could do uh, if we get into a similar situation Okay, and so yeah, I was going to ask sort of to, to get a little bit more specific into certain areas. You mentioned Cherry Creek, um, you know, near Cash Creek. I mean, is there any 
sort of, you, you know, you talk about problem areas, things we, areas where we see, you know, more frequent uh, events happening. Is there anything um, on the horizon or in terms of those uh, preparedness for those specific areas? Is there any more detail you can get into of, of what the TNRD is doing to make sure that, uh, you know, it is ready in, in, in any event? Well, so we've we've gone out um, and, you know, in terms of flood response, it gets a little complicated between local jurisdictions, the province as well. Um, typically, the province uh, will only kind of step in once there's, uh, you know, an imminent emergency, uh, you know, in terms of a response. So um, TNRD has gone and we've done well over a dozen locations now where we have placed uh, some sand and sandbags. Um, we've paid for that out of, out of pocket. We, we, we haven't gone to the province for that money because there isn't an, an imminent threat at this point. Um, so folks can be proactive. And, you know, I, I think sometimes uh, people, whether it's flood or fire in my experience, um, people spend a little bit too much kind of time, you know, ruminating on what some of the signs are, uh, what some of the forecasts are. Really, we want people to be ready for, for the worst, hoping for the best. So we are trying to put out sand, sandbags as much as possible for uh, folks to access. And we are working to get that uh, those locations out uh, onto our website, onto the interactive map we've got on there. So if folks who do want to get a head start on it, they can. And then there are some areas where we could see flooding uh, to an extent where we need to get look at other options. So, you know, sandbags are, are one uh, technique. Um, we do have, uh, you know, some, some larger scale things we can go to. I think folks have seen, uh, you know, those gabion baskets, those large HESCO baskets uh, full of, uh, you know, gravel and crush that, you know, place, you know, they're usually about a meter tall. Um, obviously for some larger scale and depending on the, the terrain we're working in. We've also seen tiger dams. Those are those rubber kind of uh, water-filled long dams. They almost look kind of like the bumper in a, in a bowling alley gutter. Um, we can use that as well to try to contain water. They're usually used uh, in conjunction with sandbags. So um, there are areas where those are going to be effective. And, and like I said, we've already had some assessments done on some of kind of our usual suspects. Um, and then obviously hoping we don't have to implement those plans, but wanting to make sure we've got them in place, uh, you know, if uh, if the situation dictates. Yeah, and, and I did want to follow up on that kind of work because, I mean, we're living in this world where, of course, we're going through COVID-19 and all these physical Absolutely. distancing rules are in place. And, and I've heard some commentary about, you know, how difficult it can be or, or at least make it a little bit more challenging to do some of this stuff while trying to, you know, keep your distance from other people. So I just wanted to kind yeah. of get uh, a, a handle on it from your perspective on how to go about doing that work and how much it changes while we are trying to maintain our distance from from one another oh absolutely no and i think you know it goes without saying covid's been a you know really made pretty much every facet of our life more challenging so i think from an emergency perspective uh it, it's a threefold issue um you know you've just got the general disruption to you know society supply chains that are just you know making things more difficult taking a little bit longer in general uh, secondly, in terms of a response, so let's say we've got a large-scale flooding situation and you've got a, you know, a crew of people out there working to, let's say, place some sandbags. Well, right off the bat, um, you know, typically the way that works is you've got one crew kind of building sandbags, filling sandbags, and then other people that are actually placing them. So right off the bat, from a COVID perspective, we have to think about um, how far away are people from each other, 
um, use of gloves, things like that, and trying to avoid the potential of transmission, you know, through those uh, items. Um, we often will, um, you know, uh, call on the wildfire service to come assist in terms of placing those sandbags. So even a matter of, you know, how many people do you have in a vehicle at once, things like that. Um, and then thirdly, if we get into a situation where we're having to evacuate people, now that is usually more an issue in wildfire season, but there's certainly a potential in flooding. And, you know, we've seen that previous years, usually smaller scale evacuations. Um, you know, how do you house those people? How do you support those people when there are concerns around distancing? You know, typically you would have them go to a reception center. They kind of queue up in a line to register and then they'll either be sent to a hotel or we'll ask them to bill it with family or, uh, or potentially in a large situation we would do a group lodging uh, where you've got a bunch of people in one area well group lodging is off the table given COVID you know you don't want a whole bunch of people you know sleeping on uh, cots on, a, on an arena floor billeting with family and you know, province isn't crazy about that right now either you know if these aren't people that you're seeing on a regular basis again potential for COVID transmission so um, that the third uh, you know possibility there is putting people in hotels so you know in a lot of cases there is availability there just because less people are mm -hmm. traveling on the flip side, a lot of those hotels are closing too. So I know the province is reaching out to those accommodations operators in terms of uh, trying to ensure we've got a decent inventory in place, you know, if we do need to start moving people, whether it's for flood, fire, or uh, or anything else. Yeah, well, I'm sure the hoteliers will be more than happy to welcome people uh, into their facilities if, if that was an option. I know a lot of them are struggling for any kind of business, so I'm sure they would yeah, be yeah. more than happy to, to have you guys there if you needed. Um, I think that's pretty much all I have for you, Kevin. Anything else that you want people to know of in terms of, you know, emergency preparedness here moving forward in the in the Kamloops area, in the whole TNRD uh, before I let you go? You know, I, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, you know, on our website, uh, you know, tnrd.ca, we've got some further information if folks do want to get started and they can contact us as well if they're looking for additional support. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Kevin. Really do appreciate your time and hopefully uh, we don't have to worry about any of these issues, but at least we know we're prepared if, if they do come. So thank you. There, there we go, sir. My pleasure. That was the TNRD's Emergency Program Coordinator, Kevin Skrepnik. And, you know, as we look at the forecast here for the near future, I mean, things do look pretty positive. I mean, there is a 40% chance of showers tomorrow, but, uh, you know, for the most part, as we look ahead here at our overnight lows, 4 degrees, 6 degrees, you know, it, it stays somewhat cool. So hopefully, even though we are looking ahead to the weekend here, 23 and 26 with our high, hopefully those overnight lows will, uh, you know, help, help keep things from melting uh, too quickly. Coming up, as the COVID-19 pandemic wears on, it has caused delays for some work on the Trans Mountain Expansion Project directly here in Kamloops, and a company spokesperson says, well, it wants to make sure it moves forward in a safe manner. I'll be speaking with Ali Hounsel next. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on Thursday, April the 16th. Earlier this week, we found out that the Trans Mountain is pushing off its work here in the urban Kamloops area. And I was able to catch up yesterday with a company spokesperson, Ali Hounsel, to find out just how that decision came to be. So, yeah, every month um, we file an update on our construction schedule with the CER. Uh, and in our um, April 1st filing, 
um, what we saw for the Kamloops area was we pushed forward um, the planned um, pipeline construction uh, that we call the Kamloops urban area. So what we'd originally planned is to do a seven kilometer stretch um, of pipeline um, through the kind of um, city area there. And the idea was that um, that section would take about seven months. We do have additional work um, ongoing in the area at the Black Pines pump station. Um, and we continue to work on, um, uh, you know, the Kamloops terminal as well. So there is work ongoing in the Kamloops area. Um, but basically our focus over the two weeks prior to that, the last couple of weeks of March, um, was to, you know, look at the, the changing situation with COVID-19 and ensure that we could continue the safe construction of the expansion project. And really what we decided to do was to focus on those areas where construction was already underway um, or on the critical path items to ensure that we had um, the measures in place to ensure that we could safely continue that construction. Um, so in light of the attention that we were applying to those existing areas of work, we decided that the work in Kamloops planned for April um, could be pushed ahead a couple of months without any impact to the overall project schedule. So really it was just a matter of, you know, focusing on the areas we were already working um, and trying to um, make sure that we were doing that safely before we um, started in a new area. So the decision was, um, you know, as many would probably expect, it was largely decided based on the fact that we are going through a, a pandemic at this time. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is, um, you know, there are a number of things that we have in place um, to allow us to continue um, the safe operation of the existing pipeline, which is a critical piece of infrastructure for all Canadians, um, as well as um, continue work on the expansion project. Um, you know, the, the situation was changing, if you think back to a couple of weeks ago, uh, mid-March, when we were looking at, um, you know, the schedule it was changing rapidly um, and, you know, there were a number of um, guidelines and rules coming into place for different jurisdictions and so we needed to focus on that with our contractors that were already working as well as our existing operations to say, hey, how can we make sure that we can continue to do these things and do it safely and so a lot of attention shifted um, to ensure that was happening and in light of that, um, we decided that the work in Kamloops planned for April could be pushed ahead a couple of months um, without any broader impacts to the overall schedule. Okay. So, um, you know, there is still work um, that is happening in Kamloops. We do have um, people there doing some work. And actually, we've got an interesting thing happening um, starting next Monday. Um, we're having some specialists come in to salvage what's called cryptogamic crust in Kennecartwright Park and really it's sort of um, like a, a thin layer on top of uh, you know on top of the soil that's got mosses and lichen and algae that are important for you know building local soil and so we're collecting that starting next week and it basically goes into cold storage for 
um, when we do go through and do pipeline construction and we do the reclamation. So, you know, we want to assure people that we're continuing to work. There is work underway at Kamloops Terminal. There's work underway at the Black Pines Pump Station, um, a little farther out at the Kingsdale Transmission Line. Um, So we are working and we're doing that uh, following all the health guidelines and the advice um, that uh, to ensure that you know our workforce is safe, the communities we're we're working in are safe too, um, and we will we will be in Kamloops doing that construction. We just determined that we should push that out a couple of months while we focused on making sure the work that we already have underway is being done um, up to all the health and safety standards. Okay, uh, and just to clarify, I think you kind of already had said this, but I just want to double check that uh, you know this mm-hmm. isn't going to have really any impact on terms of a, a project end date, or a, or will it have any impact on on project cost? Is is there any implications? Not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, that was one of the determinations. Is you know when we looked at. Um, where we could, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we focused on uh, areas of the project where construction is already underway or a critical path item, meaning it needs to get done now or else it will impact the end date. Um, the work in Kamloops that we had planned to start in April does not, you know, qualify as that. It's a seven-month uh, pipeline construction segment and so we determined uh, that we could push that out a couple of months and it wouldn't impact the overall schedule. And then I guess just uh, to get you out of here on this, I mean just in terms of planning for when that uh, that specific work, which we're, we're talking about here, um, when it will get underway, I guess is, is everything sort of in place and, and ready to go for whenever that, that date does in fact uh, come come about? Yeah, well, we pushed that out until June um, in the schedule. Um, You know, we also did make mention in the schedule that, you know, with things uh, changing rapidly and, you know, this is an unprecedented situation for everyone. So um, at the time when the schedule was developed, that's our best, um, you know, estimate and what we'd like to do. But, um, of course, like everyone, we're, we're, um, you know, Uh, we're watching the situation we're making sure that we're adhering to all the health guidelines and the changing situation you know our priority being the safety of our workforce and the communities so it is our plan right now and what we filed in our schedule um but uh you know yeah, but things are unprecedented in terms, of, in terms of like staffing or, or delivery of materials i mean you're there's no concern or or is, is everything sort of ready to go for once that date pops up yeah i mean you do have to mobilize um and you know we would have to bring in which is part of the decision to make back then you know you do have to mobilize equipment and and the contractors you know got to be ready with um hiring up people and so, you know, there's a certain time where you kind of have to make the call on that. So um, it's not like everyone's just kind of sitting there waiting, um, right. but uh, we will be able to mobilize in time. That was Ali Hounsel, spokesperson for Trans Mountain. So there you go. The two-month delay here in the Kamloops urban area work that was set to go, was set to start here this month, but now it was going to be starting in June. At least that's the schedule that is out there right now. Of course, in this world that we live in, I had you know anything scheduled for any time in the not-too-distant future. I do have some questions about whether or not those things will go forward. So the plan is for June. We'll see when June rolls around if that is still, in fact, 
the case. And, uh, of course, I, I also spoke briefly earlier in the week on this same issue with uh, Kamloops City Councilor Dennis Walsh, and, and he seems to have a bit of a positive outlook on how this uh, two-month delay uh, could potentially impact the local economy. I'm impressed that they were able to kind of, you know, reschedule it. And, and I think it's going to be, I'm hoping, we'll be through this, you know, to a large degree anyways, by June. And businesses will start reopening and um, those workers will be able to, uh, you know, basically give us a bit of an economic lift. Yeah, I'm sure we're all hoping that uh, we'll be through the majority of this by June. But what we were hearing from our healthcare professionals is that, uh, that I, I don't know, I'll believe it when I see it. I, the, the, we're looking at a vaccine and that's going to take another, you know, 12 to 18 months from now. We'll just have to uh, wait and see kind of how things progress and, and how we recover from this moving forward. Uh, it's all just a rolling target at this point in time. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have yourself a great rest of your Thursday. I'll be back here tomorrow on Friday at noon. From CHNL in Kamloops, a Stingray radio station. This is Radio NL 610 AM and RadioNL.com. Local news now. Good afternoon. I'm Victor Kaizo with the latest from the NL newsroom. A fire that destroyed two cash